I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Welcome back. Today, we have Colleen Ellis on to talk about pet loss and the grieving process as pet sitters. Now, before we get started, let's hear more about our sponsor, Time to Pet. Doug from Bad to the Bone Pet Care has this to say. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. Processing the loss of any pet is difficult. Processing the loss of a client's pet can have complications and uncertainty of how to handle it both on a professional and a personal level. Colleen Ellis, founder of Two Heart Pet Loss Center, joins us today to help break down our role as pet care providers in the grief process how to care for ourselves while we are grieving, and how we can help everybody in their morning work. Let's get started. I am honored to do that, Colin. My name is Colleen. My last name is Ellis. And I always have to say it that way because I run them all together. Nobody understands and it sounds like one name. So Colleen is my first name. And uh, I actually founded the first standalone pet funeral home in the country almost 17 years ago. And uh, right now, I operate a business called Two Hearts Pet Loss Center. And the entire business is about what we're doing here today, Colin, which is education. And it's, it's also helping pet parent families into giving them the permission that they need and that they want when their precious little love dies. And I'm so excited that we get to be with your group today and hopefully give them some nuggets as to how they can be of support and be able to get to to their pet parents, what their pet parents might need during a really, really awful time. Really awful. Yeah. That's, that's what we're, we're, we're looking for. And many times we don't feel like we are adequately educated or adequately understand the right ways, as you mentioned, to give that permission. And I want to dive into that, but if I'm not mistaken here, your passion comes from three very special dogs that have a very, central part in all that you do. So could you tell us uh, about them? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to start with the first one and it's Miko. And I know none of our listeners can see a necklace that I'm wearing. um, And the necklace I'm wearing is her paw print. And I wear this almost every day. And it, it, for me, Colin, is a reminder of why I do what I do. And why I do what I do is because of her. And when she died, I came out of the human funeral business. Let me just kind of back up a little further. I came out of the human funeral business. And so I spent the first part of my career seeing and, and being a very intimate part on what we do when people die. And so when I was approaching that day that she was going to be dying, um, I, I kind of looked around and I said, where are those operations that are going to handle her and going to handle me exactly like we do when a people die? 
And I just, I didn't find what I thought it should be. And and I'm just going to say it that way. I didn't find what I thought it should be. And what I wanted is I wanted to have the experiential component for pet parents. I wanted to have this darling, precious little pet funeral home where pet parents could come in and have a visitation. They could have a funeral if they wanted, or if nothing else, they, they could know in their heart of hearts that the way that their pet was treated in death was exactly the way that they treated them in life. And everything was about dignity and respect and honor, not only of the emotions of the humans, but also the precious body of, of, of the pet. And so for her, I launched that business and uh, every day, every day she's front and center and every day I do what I do for her. And then when Harry and Ellie died, it, it layered on just one, well, two more elements that said, you know what, we still have work to do. We still have work to do to educate them. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. When Harry died, now I did this with Miko because I didn't have a choice. And when Miko died in the hospital, she was battling lung cancer and she died on the, on the operating table. Or I should say we, we made the decision to let her go because it, it just it, the surgery just wasn't going to come out the way we, we thought it would. And so we made the decision to let her go. And, and I sat there as a professional in death care services and Colin, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to call. And, and, I, and I, that became really a defining moment for me because I thought, I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the biz and I don't know where to go. And so through a couple of phone calls, we didn't find what we, what we wanted. And our veterinarian, and, and I'm not shaming her, you know, just didn't provide us an option that we believe was going to be respectful for how she was going to be treated. And so we opted to take her home with us for two days. And it was the most precious and beautiful two days that I, I could have asked for. I have a mentor. His name is Dr. Alan Wolfell. And in situations like that, he always sums it up beautifully that we take opportunities for visitations or even even funerals or memorial services. We take those opportunities to listen, listen to this, Colin, to back up and say hello as we prepare to say goodbye. And it, and it was those two days at home with her. We, we told stories and we did the rememberings and we did, do you remember when? And do you remember when you did this? And, oh my gosh, you made me so angry when you did this. And, oh my gosh, I laughed so hard when you, we did that for two days. And then when the time came to, to have her final arrangements taken care of, we, we found a human funeral home. And so we went there. And, and it was, it, and they, they made the comment to me when I asked to, to sit in their chapel, they said, uh, you can, they said, but make sure you sit in the back and don't turn the lights on because we've had a family in here with a real death. And so I thought, oh my gosh, there has to be other loving pet parents like me that, that want to have their pet taken care of. So anyway, I digress. So we had the two days at home and with Harry, I thought, you know what? I want to do that again. I want to take him home so I can slow it down a little bit. I can slow it down a little bit and we can have our time to tell stories and to do a wine toast. And we did the same thing with Ellie. But here's why I tell you we still have work to do, Colin. When I posted those pictures out of our visitation with Harry here at home and with Ellie here at home and since Crisco here at home, when I posted those pictures out, I had 
veterinarians. I had pet sitters. I had pet parents saying, what? Wait, what? I didn't know I could have done that. And I'm like, there's still work to do. There's still work to do. So every day it's for them. Every day it's for them and what I do. They're my why. Yeah. And and as you mentioned there of this, that immense work, what what has been the history of death care services for for pets? And why has it been so lacking uh, until now as to the work that you are doing? I am so glad you asked me that question. So let's stand really tall and let's look at death in general. Okay. We live in a death avoidance society. I have a colleague and I love this. I have a colleague who says, why do we say when I win the lottery and if I die? (laughs) I just love that. And so that's how we see things. We see things as if I die or if my dog dies and it's no, this is a win. So now let's bring it down into pet loss. You know, we have 70% of our people who have a pet in our country. Okay. 30% don't. So here's the correlation. If I line up 10 people and I tell them my dad died, all 10 of them are probably going to say, I'm sorry. If I line up 10 people and I tell them my dog died, I got a chance. Three of them are probably going to say, well, it's just a dog. It's just a dog. What, 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 what are you so upset about? Just so you get another, you can get another. Oh, don't we love that as pet lovers? Just go get another. I always say this when, whenever I do my, my speeches and stuff, I say, let me tell you something. I stood by my mother at my father's casket and not one person came up to her and said, you're going to get another, you should get another. You'll feel better. Right. Isn't that just so, it is hysterical, right? I laugh every time I say it. My mother still can't believe I believe I say it, but I do. So, but it, but it's, pet loss is still a, a very much of a disenfranchised grief. And here's what I find funny. I think I I, I find it interesting, not funny. I find it interesting that the rules of pet loss and the rules of what we do with a beloved pet from a funeral to to even grieving and mourning, those rules are written by non-pet lovers. They're the ones that tell us it's just a dog. You should be over it. Mm. It's just a dog. You can get another one. It's just a cat. What, what, What are you upset about? Or man, I, I, I can't tell you should have put that thing to sleep a long time ago. You know, and they say things like that. And so it's still this very disenfranchised. And, and I know in some of our communication back and forth, you made a comment about the word permission. And I'm big on that word because pet lovers, pet parents, they want permission. Now, I, I want to give a little lesson here, okay? I want to define two words for us because I I want our listeners to understand the difference. The first word is grief. Grief is what we feel. Grief, Grief is in our belly. Grief is that kick in our gut. Grief is what we feel internal. Mourning is what you see me do. Mourning is grief gone public. Mourning is, is the acting out of grief. Okay. He who mourns mends. So our role, our role as companions, and by the way, everybody listening here, you are now going to be a companion in the journey for those that need you. And our role is going to be this. We're going to give pet parents permission for whatever they want to do and permission for however they want to feel. And I want to dig into this. We're going to go in two feet now, Colin, okay? I'm going to dig into this. So permission for how you feel. 
everybody listening, please hear me on this one. However I feel is it, it is okay and is right. Okay. So if I feel guilty, please don't tell me I shouldn't. If I feel sad, please don't tell me that I went the extra mile and I did more than anybody would have. If I feel angry, give me permission to feel angry. Don't talk me out of it because you think that I did everything. You know what? I need all those emotions and I don't want you to take them away from me. And I got to tell you, in the thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of families that I've helped, when they say I feel guilty because of what just happened, maybe they euthanized. Okay. Maybe they feel guilty because they feel like they missed something that, that, you know, maybe the kitty cat didn't present anything. And then when they did present, it was too late. Okay. When they say, I feel guilty, I'm like, you know what, honey, that's yours. I'm not going to talk you out of it. I'm not going to tell you feel any different because here's what happens when I go to talk them out of it. Do you know what my gut does? My gut says, Hey, yeah. How about you just be, you be quiet because this is mine right now. And my gut wants to argue with you right now to tell you why I want to feel guilty or angry or sad or whatever the emotion. So our, our first thing is whatever emotion they have, let them have it, let them own it. And don't tell them how good of a pet parent they were. Because if, if I euthanized, let me tell you what, I feel like crap right now. Okay. So I don't need you to be telling me how good of a pet parent I was or why I shouldn't be feeling guilty. Let me have it. And in a few days, when, when I, as a grieving pet parent, when I get to a different place, maybe we can reframe it so that we can look at it differently. But Colin, that needs to be on my time frame, not anybody else's. Okay. Does all that make sense? It, it does. Uh, I had a friend once tell me, uh, feelings are real. And it took me a long time to really understand, yeah, they, they, they are. Like, they're not just these things to be dismissed both by yourself right. and, and to other. Like, they are, they are real as tangible things in the universe. And yes. when you push them away or you tell somebody, oh, it's going to be okay or those kind of things, you are actually, you know, confronting a reality that somebody is struggling with at that moment. And yes. they need, you, you need to go through that process. Because that's your lived reality. That's what's happening to you at that moment. Yeah. Oh, that you just put that so beautifully. And you know, here's another way. You know what feelings are? Feelings want to have happen. Feelings want to be felt. I, just, <laughs> I had it, so I want to feel it, right? And they're meant to be felt. So, so we get, we have to get permission to say you you be angry, you be sad, you be mad, you be all those things. And you know what? My role, my role as a companion, my role is going to be to companion you. I'm not going to lead you. I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to tell you why you should be in a different place than you are right now. My role as a companion is to make sacred space for you to tell me whatever you need to tell me and permission to have those feelings. Now, you know what? You pointed something else else out a second ago. And here's the other thing that happens. Our head gets in the way. Head gets in the way and head says, it's just a dog, man. There's really big things going on in the world right now. And I really shouldn't be this upset. Mm. And your heart's saying, but I am. And then your head and your heart get in a big old argument. 
And it's, and so what I tell people all the time in the very, especially in the very beginning of a loss, get your head out of the way. I don't want to hear from your head right now. I want to hear from your heart. Just give me your heart. Tell me that one. Yeah. Well, as you said, the, the rules of, of loss are written by non-pet lovers, and that tends to be what sticks in our head, right? And so yes. we, we have this 10% or this 30% telling our head what to do while that 70% is in our heart struggling to, to, to make something of that. And unless, as you said, you have that sacred space, you have that permission, sometimes you have to have that given to you, and it doesn't yes. always come from yourself, right? That's the real struggle there is having an external somebody to give you that permission to let you go, you know what? You can you can cry right now if that's what you need to do. You can be angry right now if that's what you need to do to let that 70% express itself, to, to yeah. be felt. Yeah. And you know what? There's, there's this other part, too, that says, Colin, I don't want you to get I – don't, I don't want your emotions to get out of whack because then I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And God forbid I'm uncomfortable. I need to be comfortable. I know this is your loss. But I need to become. That's what that's all about. It, it's. I'm going to say something that I think is going to be the magic words to make you feel better. And I'm going to. I'm just going to lob it across the fence, and I need you to take it and run with it because because I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> right, and you just need to kind of get over this. So we, we we just get uncomfortable with people's feelings. I'm sorry. Go. I interrupted you. Oh no, not at all. I was I was agreeing wholeheartedly. I was just going to say. We've all had that moment where that sympathy card hits on our desk and that we're asked to sign it and we sit there and we're like, Well, what do I write? Uh, what are the word what are the three magic words that I'm gonna be able to write here really quick that's gonna make this okay for this person? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what can I get engraved uh, to make this person feel happy? What can I we, we start looking at that, what are the things that I can tangibly do for somebody? To, to make it all go away because as you said we're in a death avoidance society and ugh, I just I need to go be doing I need busy I'm busy I have this stuff to do so what can I do to get this off my plate yes exactly you know what guy you said so many nuggets in there you are wise beyond your years my friend so let me tell you something we are a society of human doings versus human beings mm-hmm. and so it's how do, how do we just be for a minute how do we just be with those families? I, I, I have this thing that I use when I do my public, my public talks and I call it AQ. It's AQ. You know what IQ is and EQ, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk AQ, which is animal lessons, animal quotient. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are the beautiful lessons our animals teach us? You know, when we're sad, what do they do? They sit and just be with us. And, and they give us permission to have whatever emotion we want to have. They don't talk it out, talk us out of it. They just sit and be with us and, and allow us the space that we need. When, when we look to the perfect words, instead of the perfect words, what I want you to do is I want you to share your heart. And for anybody else listening on here, I want you to tell me a story of what you remember about him. That's, that's my motto. That's, that's the big thing that I do. Honor the journey honor the story. That's what I want you to do is I want you to honor my story with him. And so if you're, if you're my pet sitter, then I want you to say, I'm going to miss every time I fed him a treat. He always had hit it behind the pillow. And then we play the game. I don't care. I want you to tell me your heart mm-hmm. and what you're going to miss about him. That's what I want to hear from you. I got to give you another one. And this one was really, this one was very changing for me. So Cheryl Sandberg, 
who is uh, in, in leadership with Facebook, her husband died, and I need to go back and see when this was, X amount of years ago. And she wrote a beautiful manifesto about her grief journey. And it was so raw, and it was so filled with emotion, yet nuggets of learning about a, a, a person's grief journey. And here's something I took out of it that I immediately changed in my practice of talking with, with people who have had a loss. And she said this, she said, you know, when you ask me, how are you? How are you? She's like, I'm going to answer fine because that's such a big question right now. Right. And it almost sounds silly, doesn't it? Yeah. But here's what she said. She goes, what I want you to ask me is how are you right now? Cause she goes, I can tell you how I am right now. Now it's going to change in a minute, but right now, I can tell you how I am. I can tell you how I am. And when you ask that question, whenever you are are with somebody and you ask that question, be ready to have that space. Be ready for that response. Not in a like, ooh, shields up, gotta ooh, get get uncomfortable kind of thing, but in a they are going to respond how they need to respond. And and that's gonna be okay. I need to I need to be open to how they're going to respond. I need to be open enough to, when I ask that question, be ready to be with that person as they answer, right? Like exactly. that, not, not a flippant, hey, how, how are you right now? And then be prepared to bolt out the door. That's it. That's it. When, you, when you're asking, you, you, you need to be committing yourself to, okay, I, I'm in this. We're going to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to be not do right now. And I'm going to be with you. Exactly. And, I, and I want you to be an active listener, not a passive listener. So when I ask you how you are right now, and you say to me, I'm really angry right now. Then I want you to say back, what's making you most angry right now? Where, where's all that from? I want you to be an active listener, not a passive listener. And, and when I, when I tell you something that makes you uncomfortable, here's the other deal. I want to set the rules for that. Cause I love where you went with that, Colin. The rules on all of that conversation, and it, and it is, be mindful of armoring up. I love Brene Brown. Be mindful of armoring up. And if you find yourself armoring up, because you, you now know I might have to be committed to this conversation. And, and here's what I always say, too. I'm going to guarantee you there's going to be some things that I will not unhear go on in this conversation. Okay? <laughs> I, I can guarantee you. And so it's being prepared for that. It's knowing that we're going to go in. We're going to have a readiness to receive. We're going to be an active listener. We're going to honor the story. And it's going to be their story, not our story. Mm. Okay. So if it's clean of you, you know, let's say I'm on, I'm, 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 I'm companioning you, Colin, and you go clean. Have you ever felt like this when one of your dogs died? Then, then what I say back to you is we all have our own unique grief journey. And I want to, I want to hear about Mitzi. I can't wait to hear about Mitzi. I want to hear about the life you shared with Mitzi. You know, so it's, this isn't a time for, for you to hear mine. If I'm going to be a, a healthy, good companion, we got to, we got to let them honor the story. We got to meet them wherever they're at. We got to meet them wherever they're at. And we got to be okay with that space that they need to be in right now and and part of and and that that really is getting at the you know we're not we're not trying to fix anything actively right we're not trying to 
by our words, by our listening, we're just giving them space, right? That's all we're doing. We, we need to get out of our own way in that process mm-hmm. to allow them to have the space. Because we, we, we do want to just do, and yes, it's giving things, but it also, as, we've, as I've mentioned, of like, okay, I, I, you, you, oh, you say you're hurting. Okay, uh, here are the three things that you can do to not hurt anymore, right? Oh, you're- gosh, <laughs> me softly right now. You're killing me softly, Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, and you know what? I, I, I get so excited as you can tell on this topic. I just am so passionate about it. I, I want to, I want to tell you too. I want to tell everybody listening that as you said, and you make sacred space, it is not Colin just pointed this out. It is not your duty to have the answer. Zero. There will be no answers coming from you. There will be no perfect things said coming from you. Here's what will be perfect coming from you the perfect questions. That's all I want coming from you. Tell me about him. Tell me what he loved to do. I've kind of forgotten the story. Where did you get him? I've forgotten the story. How did he get his name? I've forgotten the story. What, what, what role does he play in your house? Tell me those things. I even love asking too, as, as I'm companioning, you know, I, as I look down at him, I kind of have my own thoughts, but I'm curious. If he were to have a people job, what do you think his people job would have been? <laughs> oh, it cracks me up the answers. <laughs> cracks me up. <laughs> and then you can humanize that whole thing. What kind of clothes would he have worn? What, kind, what do you think his p- favorite color is? I, I am fascinated by how many pet parents will tell me what their animal's favorite music is. I'm fascinated by that. <laughs> well, of course it is. Yeah, of, of, of course they have that answer. Of course they've thought about it. We, we all have, right? And that's absolutely. As, and what I like, what is really neat about that is that that is such part of, as you mentioned at the beginning, of backing up and saying hello, right? We're we're going back because part of that is as as the as the pet has has aged and gone through their life journey sometimes yeah. the owner may even forgotten about some of these things at the beginning or forgotten about these little things yes so t- taking that time to go hey yeah tell me about where did wh- when did you get him what, what, what you know tell me about that rescue you know how are they doing you know, like that all those kind of things is really re- bringing up those memories so you can say hello to the dog they know and love, the pet that they know and love again and again and again. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And just such, you know, I I love watching people's faces, uh, albeit sad, okay, but I love watching them when they when they get this opportunity. I I remember walking down the aisle at that shelter that day. And, it, and they are just, boom, transformed right back there in that go funny ear and that slobbery mouth, whatever it is. Oh, what a beautiful time. And like I said, to take that time and, and for all of our pet sitters on here, of course, you're probably intimately involved with your families. But let me tell you something. Number one, to be a resource and, and especially at the end with your families in in helping them with the care, helping them by even pulling in. I, I, I have an amazing association that I am a part of that is all about hospice and palliative care for our pets in the end of life. But as pet sitters, what are you doing to help out with their, their mobility around the house? And, and have we tweaked our food a little bit? And, you know, some things like that, that you get to be the resource for mm-hmm. and to bring to pet parents, because 
let's face it, the reason you're in there is because they need some helping hands. Okay. Well, with helping hands needs to come information. And so as you bring them this information about, hey, listen, I, I happen to check into how we can help him get around the house a little bit more because he keeps falling or he can't seem to get his balance or we need to raise the food bowls or we need to line our entire house with yoga mats, whatever it is, whatever it is, we as a part of the, you know, I always say it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. So we get to be the village that helps these pet parents with these pets. And as we get to the end, and, and the end is coming. Here's where I also want to be a resource. You know, with COVID right now, it sucks on how we have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. It sucks. But, but as I always say, there's a can and the can'ts. Okay. There are things we can do. We can say goodbye at home. We can still say goodbye at the clinic and bring him home. We can still have our time to slow it down a little bit. There's no need to rush. And I got to tell you, I'm going to say it again. The two days that I have with my pets at home and being able to have that opportunity to, to wake up in the morning and know he's still here again, and I still get to pay tribute to him versus having him ripped away from me after, after a euthanasia or even after a, a death. And to just have him gone, poof, is more than I can bear understanding that entire process right and going yeah and i love that that idea that um that commitment to being a resource as pet, pet sitters we, we tend to like viewing ourselves and we we are we're, we're resources in a lot of other things so this is another aspect of learning of diving deep into because it's it's going to happen right we, we yeah. don't we again we don't like saying that but we are going to have clients that we go through this process with, whether we like it or not, whether we, whether we want to or not, we are going to be put in situations where we are caring for a pet that is not long, not going to be around for much longer. And yeah. so having resources on hand and really allowing, you know, almost allowing ourselves to be okay with learning about it, right? Like, oh, it, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that was huge, Colin. Yes, please be okay with learning about it. Please be okay with that. You have, for your pet parents, you have to be okay with it because I need you. Let me tell you something. I could not function without my pet sitter. I could not function without her. She lives in my house when we're gone. When Harry died, I got to tell you, I was in the middle. I was going from Dallas to Tampa and I was probably over Alabama, best I could tell. And she came on, I was on the Wi-Fi and she came on and she said, Big Harry's collapsed. And, and finally, after text back and forth, she said, today's the day. So you need to let me know what you need me to do. And I, we, man, I made an about face in Tampa, flew right back and she didn't leave his side. So I, but I needed, I needed another set of eyes and ears. I needed another resource. I needed another professional as a part of my, as a part of my village that helps me with my animals. And I, I have to have that. She had to have that conversation with me that said, should big Harry die while you're on the road? What do I do? Mm. We have to have that conversation. You guys, you have to, it should be a part of your care package or your, or your, 
your you know, assessment notes, you need to have all that information. And let me tell you something, the answer on that as, as a resource for all of us here, should something happen while you're away to, to the animal that's in my care, your end of life provider, your crematory, your veterinarian, those, those professionals should be able to hold that pet because I am insistent that when the family comes home, they get their time to say goodbye. And we, we have to be a resource on that. Having that set up ahead of time so that when we're not in, so when we're in those positions, because they will happen of, yeah. and I, I know when Megan and I first started out, um, it, we cared for several pets that were either on heavy medications and really not long for this world, or the owner basically said, if you wake up tomorrow and they're not breathing, that's fine. Right. And her and I looking at each other, just big eyes being like, what you mean? uh, Are you kidding me? Like, I don't even know how to talk about this. I don't want to, you make the phone call. If that happens, I'm not making the phone call and, and just not being able, even remotely prepared for that. Thankfully, Nine years later, we we have those kind of conversations right up front with the client, and uh, of and and because we ha- thankfully have not had to go through that experience, but we do care for many elderly pets, many heavily medicated pets, and so we are hyper aware of that. But that took time to learn, and so being being ready and, and just making it part of your policies and procedures, right? You Absolutely. Know, if if you're not wanting to have that conversation up front every time, just write it in black and white so that whenever people read through them, they see where you stand and what kind of things you want taken care of. And, and, and then you'll, you'll slowly become more comfortable with that kind of thing over time. Absolutely. And you know what? The other thing I want to point out, Colin, for everybody listening here, here's my other recommendation to you. Go establish a relationship with a crematory. Okay. Go find the one that you trust. I want you to tour them. I want you to find out how they do things. And that way, when, you know, I envision Phyllis coming to me and saying, by the way, I want you to know that the end of life facility that I am very comfortable with is blah, blah, blah. And so should something happen while you're on the road, that's who I'm going to be turning to to help me. Now, again, being that resource, going out and doing that, that research ahead of time, because as, as pet, um, as pet owners, that's not really first and foremost on their mind. And they oh may be gosh. really uncomfortable doing that. They may, they may not want to go there at that time. And yeah. the last moment, the la- really one of the last thing you want to be doing is making those kind of big emotional decisions right in the moment. And, exactly. and as a pet owner, having somebody being able to slide some paperwork across the, the table going, when you're ready, here's some information that I've looked at and these people are wonderful. I've talked to them and I want yeah. you to know that they'll be there for you. Absolutely. How, how huge, how powerful to that person who, who, is, who, is, who, is, who is grieving. Right. And, and for me, what that says for you is that you, you took the extra effort for me to go do that research. And let me tell you something, Colin. I, if I've said this once, I've said it 20,000 times. It's not like we wake up on a bright, sunshiny morning and go, it is so pretty out today. I'm going to go get educated on death. That's what, that's what today's the day. I'm going to go do that. We're going to load up in the car. No, we don't do it. It happens. Like you said, it happens in the heat of the moment. It happens at an awful time because guess what? We keep thinking we have tomorrow. We always believe we have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now I got to give you a funny one. Okay. Cause this will drive it home hard for us. So I have a colleague 
in the deaf care industry. And I love Gail Rubin more than anything. And she has, she does deaf care cafes. She's a deaf doula. She, she participates in things called have a talk of a lifetime, which is talking about death. She, she's all this kind of stuff, but her tagline for her business, you ready for this? You're going to love it. Her tagline for her business is talking about funerals won't make you dead. Just like talking about sex won't make you pregnant. (laughs) Do you love that? Yes. Oh, I laugh every time I say it. (laughs) It's true. So for all of your people, because you've kind of alluded to to this a couple of times, guys, listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you to pull your shoulders back. I need you to come up with the agreement. And it sounds like Colin has one, which is awesome. And I need you to talk to the families that you're working with and say, by the way, guys, there's one other area I need to make sure that I'm covering in my services to you. And it's, and it's a thing that I don't like either, but I want to talk about should something happen with Mitzi while you're away, I need to know what to do. And when you say it like that, did you hear me say when Mitzi dies, when Mitzi, I didn't say that. Should something happen while you're away, I need to know what to do. And I have some things I'd like to recommend. Yeah. I reached out to Blah Blah Crematory. We together have made an arrangement that they will hold her body until you get back from wherever you're at, mm. which I insist upon. And we've got that handled. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you know what? I, I may get a little misty eyed and I may. If anger may hit me for one second, because I don't want to think about it, mm-hmm. but I, I need you to be my resource. Yeah. I need you to help me. Yeah. And, and just what a wonderful foot to start out on if the unthinkable should happen, how much further along in that process they already are because all of that's in place and they know it's going to be taken care of. They know yeah. the person that they've hired knows what they're doing. And yes. can't and can handle that. Exactly. You know, and whether I've got two documents and um, I'll shoot them over to you. I've got a what I call a guide to planning ahead. It's a beautiful document that just starts to talk about when the day happens, what are we going to want for arrangements? And the second tutorial that I put together is a bucket list. Mm-hmm. And so how do we do a bucket list? What can we do? And, and this is always what I tell pet parents. I, I want to make sure that your end of life walk with your precious love is memorable and, and has all those elements on that are going to create this event that you can look back on six months from now. And you can literally say the end was perfect. Mm -hmm. The end was perfect. And so that's a beautiful thing that we can bring to our, our pet parents too. Yeah, it, it really is. Again, just, just say that the family is out of town. And you, you are the one that, that has to go in because something has happened and you have to be in there. I want, you to, I want you to even think about that moment. I want you to think about this precious love that has been entrusted into your care. And you know he likes to eat. And you know he would love nothing more than pizza. And so if you're the one that's in there, I want you to feed that boy pizza. And I want you to be able to tell that pet parents, let me tell you something. He was chowing on a pepperoni pizza. and and. And give them that mental, give them that thing they can't unsee. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Give them that, that memory that says, I know in his final breath, he was eating a pepperoni pizza. That was, that was our big boy. That yeah. was such our big boy. 
right? Think about those things. I always tell families when I work with you, I, I wanna I wanna help you with things you can't unsee, unhear, and unfeel. Mm. That's what we're gonna do. Right. Mm. Now, a lot of our conversation here has focused on how we can be part of the care team and be part of the resources to the pet parents. But as pet care providers, many times we neglect ourselves in this process. So maybe talk about some differences in in grief between pet parents and pet sitters, dog walkers, and and things that we can do for ourselves as well. Well, you know what? We, uh, we believe we need to get up tomorrow and suit up and get right back at it. Because that's what we do, right? We need to just get back at it. And, and I, I, I'm going to say permission, permission to slow down. I, I was looking over as you were asking me that question to see if I had a bottle in here, a soda bottle. And I, and I do, but, but our, our listeners can't see me doing this. So for our listeners, what I want you to do when you think about grief, I want to give you, a, I want to give you a, a, a parallel process to think about it. I want you to think about a soda bottle that gets that gets shaken up. Okay. And I want you to think about grief in that way. I want you to think about grief being a soda bottle that we're shaking up right now. And and when I turn that bottle up and I and I stop shaking it and I say to you, hey, I think I'm gonna go ahead and just take this lid off right now. Mm. And and if you're standing near me, you're like, no, 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 no. Right. So grief is a little bit like that. We're fabulous. At just pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down, equivalent of shaking it up, shaking it up, shaking it up. And then something happens where all at once we take that lid off and and all hell breaks loose, right? But here's what I want you to think about. The easiest way to undo the pressure, the grief, our morning work, the easiest way is to do a little bit at a time a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And so instead of pushing it down, I, I, want, you to, I want you to do the same grief work, the same morning work. I, always, I, I make sure that I tell families it's morning work. You got to do morning work, okay? Mm-hmm. I need you, morning is, is, morning is physically doing something. He who mourns mends. Morning makes movement, okay? So things like, I want you to cry. I want you to scream. I want you to light a candle. I want you to journal. I want you to take some time every night or, or throughout your day. And I want you to do something that was for him, for you and him. And I want you to do little bits throughout your day or, or take a few days and do big bits. Okay. Now here's, here's also my deal with, with us adults. Okay. Here's the beautiful thing about children. Children are organic mourners. They do it perfect. Because they dose themselves. Us adults think, if I give it a good, hard couple of days of mourning, it's going to be better. And I'll be over it. You know, we're like, nah, do it like kids. You got to be kid-like. You got to dose yourself. Take it in doses. And there's going to be times throughout your grief journey that you just want to go to Denial Island. Denial Island's okay. You could go to Denial Island and hang there for a minute. Just don't want you to stay there. And then come back and do the morning work that you need to do. But, but knowing a couple things, okay? Number one, we don't get over it. You'll get through it. So don't ever believe you're going to be over it. And especially, oh, and here my pet sitters, I'm going to give you this other nugget for support. 
I want you to think about what I call the year of first. Okay. It's that first Halloween that he doesn't get dressed up and sit on the porch. It's that first Christmas that you open the box and you're like, do I hang the ornament? Don't I hang the ornament? It's the first springtime where it's now beautiful out and we can be going for a walk and, oh, he's not here to go for a walk. Got the year of first. So we got to be there for support of those. Okay. (laughs) We've got to do our morning work. We don't get over this. Okay, and we and and therefore it's going to take me to my next point. We don't resolve it. Grief doesn't get resolved. Grief gets reconciled. So we reconcile it. It becomes a who a part of who we are. Their life changed us, and their death is going to change us. Now we're coming full circle here, okay? Because you started off with the question about Miko, and and I focused on her. When the time is right, when the time is right. As a part of the legacy that they give to you and that they that they were a part of, of your big legacy in this chapter that you shared, what did you learn from them? What did you learn that, you know, every day Miko, Miko tells me and teaches me about how to do what I do for the likes of her and then the, 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 humans, the human hearts that were shattered, that I also need to carry those in a very safe and sacred way. And so that's the lesson I learned for her. So guess what? Every day I get to think about her and every day I do what I do for her. So find their legacy, find what they taught you, and then do that thing. Do it a lot. And that way they get to live on. Now I want to give you the last one here because this one's big for us, especially for our pet sitters. Please keep in mind, I want you to bring this into your being. Please keep in mind that we're that we are responsible to those we care for, not for those we care for. Okay, mm-hmm. we're responsible to them as a resource. We are not responsible for them and taking their grief journey for them. It's mm-hmm. their journey to take. Let me tell you something. Every night I lay my head on my pillow, and I I don't have thoughts of. <gasps> I wish I could have done more. I should have done more. I wish I could just take that away from them. Nope, nope, nope. I got my own stuff going on. I got my own circus of stuff happening. I don't need, I don't need to have that one. What I need to do is lay my head on my pillow and say, today I was the very best companion I could be to Colin. Mm. And I helped him with his morning work. I didn't provide answers to him. He doesn't need my answers. This isn't about my answers, but I listened. I honored his story. I gave him permission that wherever he was at was exactly where he should be right now. And I helped him feel safe. No shame. Yeah. There, there are so many times where at each step along the way, we feel like we could have done more. It, maybe it was we could have provided better care before they passed, and maybe they would have lived a day longer. Or then maybe after they passed, we could have acted faster to, to get the message to them. There, there are so many times to go back and relive those moments and think I could have done more. And then after the fact, I could have, you know, I, I could have written three better words in the sympathy card. I could have given them a better gift with a better photo that maybe that would have helped. That's, I, I love that of going, I'm not responsible you know, for that part of the journey because that already happened. Now... It's, it's, it's what I'm walking through 
and being a companion to them with with where we are right now. You mentioned that meeting somebody where they are at that moment is both meeting them mm-hmm. and then that part of that is you come to that same point. And if you're not yes. willing to if you're not willing to walk that distance to meet them where they are, like and, and what holds us back is is that guilt, it's that regret, it's those bad feelings, it's that anger that we can keep us from meeting somebody. And so we we have to also be processing that and being and giving ourselves permission along the way. Exactly. And you know what else I want to give your I want to give everybody listening here today. I want to give you permission to cry as well. Because let me tell you something, and I tell veterinarians and vet texts vet text this all the time, because that's always a question that I get from, from that group. Is it okay to cry? And I'm like, let me tell you something. When I'm down on that floor, snot bubbling everywhere, you better be crying with me. Because I want to know you loved him like, like I loved him. Now, here's, here's the rule. I get to cry the hardest, okay? I get to cry the hardest. But I, I want to know you cared. Yeah. And if you've been my pet sitter since, since this thing has been a, a pop, then you need to, I want to know you cared because I know you cared. So don't try to come over here. Tears are not a sign of weakness. Tears are a sign of strength. So come over here and I want you to be with me and I want you to be with me and we're going to share an emotion and and we're going to, we're going to miss this thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I want you to call. And when you call me, because it's, it's okay to call me when you call me and, and check in, which I want you to do. Okay was interesting when I started that first pet funeral home 17 years ago, one of the standard operating procedures I had was after every pet that came into my care, maybe that night, depending on the situation with the mommy and the daddy, but definitely the next day, I made a phone call and said, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. I've changed it now. How are you doing right now? Yeah. And then I called again yeah. and I called again. And I let him know I was out there. And I had this woman one day who professed, and I didn't even know her, not like you're, you're our listeners here who know their clients. I didn't even know the, the mommy and the dog because I dealt with the daddy. And, and I get a thank you card from the mommy. And she says that we're now best friends. And she said, because I knew I got your voicemails and I would look forward to your voicemails mm-hmm. because it, it told me if I needed a lifeline, there was a lifeline out there. Mm-hmm. And it, and the comfort of knowing that I could turn to somebody who without shame, who could make space, who could hold sacred space, and who could just let me have whatever emotion I have right now, that's what I needed. Yeah. And and that you mentioned that year of firsts that you're going to experience afterwards. And both as the pet sitter, the, that year at first of, oh, he loved walking in the fall. This was his favorite time. If you're thinking that. I guarantee you the pet owner is also thinking that. So make that call. Call them. Huge. Hey, I went out for my first walk this fall, and I know how much Tucker loved it. I just want to let you know I'm thinking of him, and I miss him a lot. And, I, and, and how are you doing right love now? It. Right? Love it. I love it. I love it. Reach out. Colin, that was beautiful. If you're thinking it, they're thinking it. I'm also, I'm also a huge advocate of anniversary dates of death cards. Mm-hmm. Huge advocate of that. And they're simple. Here's what I use. It's a card branded to your brand. Okay. And all it says is, I know it seems like yesterday. Open the card. Thinking of you today. Mm. Simple. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. Let me give you another one for our pet sitters. What if 
What if at one time of year, wherever you're at in the country, that's the, the prettiest time of the year or a most special time, what if you organized a bubble release and you brought all your families together who had had a loss and you gave them this group space to come together to support each other and, and you, you Colin and Megan, you organized it. And, and it was like, my God, not only do they care about my pet in life, they care about me in death mm. for him. A beautiful way to stay connected because let's face it, if, if, if they lost a pet, one of the things you as a pet sitter want to do is you want to make sure that you stay there. So when they readopt, you're the first one they think of. Okay. We've got a retention play here. Let's, let's talk business for a minute. We got a retention play. How do you make sure that you stay in front of that family? So if that was an only, an only pet at home, and now they're thinking about readopting, you want to be first off. Yeah. And part of that, as you mentioned, of, of bringing that community together and that, yes. that, that communal grieving space to allow people to, you know, see I, part of, I, I'm sure part of that is also helping to, to normalize that of, of if you have, if you have a client that's not really a crier, that doesn't really feel like opening up about this because, you know, we don't do that. Like that's not something to be in a space where, oh, wow. Like, oh, it is okay to do this. Like, like to, to bring along that healing journey, uh, just by a simple act of some some bubbles going out with a group of people who have one thing in common and that they have a loss like they exactly. they have pain whether they recognize it or not or you know whether yeah. they want to feel it or not and just a simple act can w- would be very powerful to somebody who who might you know not know what to do otherwise and and you know what it goes right with what you said who might not know what to do otherwise and if we can bring the morning work to them because they don't know what to do what are, what are the rules of what we do for morning an animal what are the rules and so that's where this permission things come this permission thing comes back in again mm. you know what we're going to come together as a community of pet lovers we're going to come together as a community of grieving pet lovers and let me tell you what will happen i i have a really quick story for you I had a friend of mine uh, who had a uh, grief therapy dog and uh, he died and they had a service for him. Okay. And it was at a human funeral home up in the Wisconsin area. And when they had the service for him, about 250 people showed up. Now it was this, it was the service for, for this dog. Right. Mm -hmm. But the people that came, the people that came brought the urns of their own animals. Mm. Because it was like, oh, it's a service for a dog. I can bring mine. I'll take mine. So even if as a pet sitter, even if you had a, a, a precious little love that died, that was in your care, okay, I would also say, let's honor all the little pets that have been in your world. Bring all that. And let's come together. Let's play Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the Hawaiian version. Oh, love it throw some bubbles out there and come together with this, this beautiful community of what, of what we want to do. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. To be, to be part of that growing community and, and to allow people just, again, part of giving that space. And, and when, when you are bringing grieving people together again, like maybe, maybe the person that was supposed to be invited that wasn't okay with grieving was you, right? Like maybe that's, Yes. Maybe that's what needed to happen there. Uh, and you didn't know it. But, you know, so it's, it's again, it's a safe space for everybody, including yourself. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, just so huge. And you know, we, we, we get the we get the opportunity and permission to everybody listening. We get the opportunity to do things like that. Right. Do it. Do it because I can tell you, people are looking for it. They're looking. So let's be that. Let's be that. And whether you want to know more about end of life, you know, services that you could do or organizing of, of rituals like that, whatever, we're all in this together. Let's let's do it together for those grieving pet lovers, especially now where they're having to say goodbye in just awful circumstances. Let's be a resource. We have to. So on that, I, how can we as pet sitters be better advocates in our local community or at a national level for raising the standards of, of pet loss and pet grief? You know, I think, first of all, and I'm going to blink react on the answer to this. I think, first of all, is making sure that we are educated ourselves. Okay. And you've got, there's, there's things within your own communities. Um, Use me as a resource. You know, we've got a lot of veterinarians, for instance, that are home-based and with the International Association for Animal Hospice and Palliative Care, beautiful group. That's all home-based, a great group that we should be partnering with, a great association to learn more of what we can be doing as part of the care team for uh, for the animals that are in our care. And, and I think a lot of it, too, is going to be, I'm going to go back to learning what we can do within our own community with our resources there. Yeah. But then how do you build out your own portfolio of value offerings that you offer that encompasses everything from life to death mm. encompasses everything and then you start from there we start with your your listeners that are here that says you know what we're going to hashtag do death differently <laughs> hashtag do death differently that's what we're going to do we have to no. because that way that set wrong in my gut and didn't feel good i, I don't want that to happen again yeah. i don't want it to happen again yeah recognizing that there are things both little and big that I can do. And I like that idea of, of looking at my, my own services. What am I offering? If, if I agree mm-hmm. that there needs to be advancement in this, what do I have on my services page on my website? Mm-hmm. What, no, let's, start, let's start there and go, okay, now let's make it, you know, and, and then we can work out and, and bring people in and, and involve yes. others. Yeah. And there's so many people, pet nutritionists, Reiki, acupuncture, a home veterinarian. I mean, I, my, te- my care team is an animal communicator. I've got a, a home vet on, on my staff, <laughs> my care team. I've got my brick and mortar vet. I've got, I've got my trainer. I mean, I've got this whole care team that includes some things on the outside, like animal communicator and a Reiki professional, a pet nutritionist, okay, all of those are beautiful things to add to your, your portfolio of resources. So, and, and what happens then is we go through different stages of life with these animals. You just tweak according to whoever's area of specialty it is. You don't have to be all things to all people. Bring those in as a part of your group because guess what? Those people probably also need you too. <laughs> I love networking. Yeah. Hey, t- t- turns out, right? Like nobody can be all things. As you mentioned, nobody no. can be all things to all people all the time. And so no. not, not only are pet owners looking for a care team for their pet, but we as pet sitters need to have people around us 
to reach yes. out to to bring in those services. You know, I, maybe you don't want to go through all of the training to become a nutritionist for a pet. But if you know somebody, I'm sure that they would like some referrals their way. And, you know, and likewise, they don't want to go through the training to be a pet sitter, but they'll send referrals your way. And it's it's being that resource and trying and, and working to be at the hub of that to bring all these people together so that you are providing the best care possible at all stages of life, and, exactly. and including the one we don't like to talk about. It, it's exactly right. But it is the inevitable one you'll have to talk about. Because the rest of that stuff, I can feed him kibble all my entire life. I got choices on other stuff. You don't have a choice on that one. Get your mind around it. Get your mind around it. Colleen, this has just been so wonderful. I can't tell you how thankful and, and happy I am that you came on the show today to talk about this, to talk about pet loss. And as pet sitters, the things that we can do, the simple things that we can do to make that a sacred safe space, not just for the pet clients that we're taking care of, but for ourselves too, and to allow yes. ourselves, to give ourselves permission. I, I know that there is just so much more to this topic, and there's a lot of different resources out there. So. If people want to reach out, get connected, and start looking at those resources, how can they do that? So if I'm, I'm out, on, on, out on social media, so Two Hearts Pet Loss Center. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm going to tell you on my Facebook, don't go to my personal, don't friend me. I am incredibly boring. I'm boring there, okay? <laughs> Go to my two hearts page. Um, go to that one. That's that one's going to be full of resources, full of stories, full of nuggets, full of downloads, and of course on my website, which is twoheartsatlosscenter.com. Mm-hmm. There are tons of things out there. Um, I am going to throw in the International Association for Animal Hospice and Palliative Care. I A A hpc.org, and I throw that one out there because we do have. We do have pet centers that belong to our association, but it's also some good nuggets of stuff that that you guys can can lean into and see how maybe you can tweak some things that might be happening within the home. Mm. Um, so I'm throwing that one out there just as a as a side benefit. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll include links to all that and more in the show notes for okay. things that we talked about. And and I know I know you didn't pitch it, but I will let people know that you have some really cool courses uh, uh, on 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 your website for people to take as well. There's just a, a, you mentioned a ton of resources. You mean there's a literal ton of resources there for people yeah. to start looking into. There is. And whether whether you take something for yourself or again you are able to send that link to a grieving pet parent who who yeah. needs that at that time so those are there's a lot of really great stuff Colin I'm glad you brought that up because there's two of them out there and they're free I've got some that that there's a fee to them but there's two that are free one is how to do a virtual memorial uh, ceremony please look at that one and then the other one is is how to say goodbye during covid when maybe we've got social distancing practices and things like that but I will tell you, there is a boatload of ideas in there that as a pet sitter that you can take to a family and say, hey, listen, let's do these things because this still will give us everything that we need to have a memorable walk and it will be exactly what we need. So go look at those for sure. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. Uh, you're very welcome. <laughs> Colleen, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colin. As Colleen said, the one topic that nobody really wants to talk about is the one topic that we will all have to face eventually and deal with at some point in our careers as pet sitters. 
I hope you've enjoyed this conversation between Colleen and myself. I know I took so much away from it, and I really appreciated her coming on. Let us know what you have in place to have these kind of conversations or how you've dealt with the loss of a client's pet or maybe even your own. You can send us an email at feedback at petsetterconfessional.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Check out Time to Pet if you're in the need for some new pet sitting software. And as always, if you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to Megan or myself. We're here to talk, here to help, and would love to hear from you.